This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Our goal at Everyday Tech is to keep your technology not only working, but working for you. I'm the host, Abram Nanny, and you can join me and my friends Wednesday mornings at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Or search Everyday Tech on your favorite podcasting app or download the MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a charter financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. On Money Talks, we're always ready to handle your personal finance questions, but today we're also talking about credit scores and credit reports. You can contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. I'd like to mention that we usually can't get to your emails on the air, but you'll get a personal response from either Nancy or Ryder when you email money at mpbonline.org with your personal finance question. So good morning, Ryder. What uh, financial news is on your mind this morning? Good morning, Kevin. So uh, last week, and, and this happens, this will happen multiple times when the stock market is going up. Uh, but last uh, Thursday or Friday, I believe, the stock market closed at all time highs. And when I say the stock market, I'm talking about the S&P 500. So that was, uh, looks like it, that was Friday the 23rd. This S&P 500 closed at 5,088. Uh, and this is, this was the day after, uh, the CFA Society from Mississippi had their annual forecast center. So we have been just talking about how the market had performed in the last year and what people were thinking of in the coming year. Usually those are pretty bland forecasts. They say, Oh, the stock market goes up 7% every year. So I'm going to say 7%. Uh, sometimes they get a little exciting, but more importantly, what does it mean that we're at all-time highs? Uh, it, often people say, oh, well, it's going up, therefore it's getting more expensive. Yes, the dollars that you pay per share are more expensive, but what are you buying? What do those shares represent? Those shares represent future earnings of a company. They represent earnings. Uh, and and so how can we evaluate, well, how many dollars are you buying? Because obviously we expect Earnings to grow over time. Companies today certainly may make more money than they made 10 years ago, 20 years ago, etc. So we look at the price to earnings ratio. And so for the SP 500, so large US companies, they are a little. A little warm, I would say, uh, kind of 20 to 26 um, times earnings. So for every $20 you're buying, $1 of earnings. Uh, but when you look to small companies, when you look to international companies, you're getting much, uh, a lot more earnings for your dollar. Uh, uh, price earnings ratios kind of from 12 to 14% for small companies, international companies. So there's definitely value there. Uh, those have not performed as well over the past 10 years. So there's a lot of hesitance to invest in them. They tend to be more volatile. So again, not appropriate for all investors and also international stocks. While I always, I think these are almost always an important diversification part. Uh, we, as American investors, we typically need to invest in American dollars. So it makes more sense to bias a little bit towards U.S. investments for some investors. Um, interest rates are, my, are a factor here too, but essentially, yes, stocks are reaching all-time highs, but they're not 
crazy expensive is what it looks like to me. That doesn't mean they can't get cheaper. That doesn't mean they can't get more expensive. It's just looking at it today. It's not wild. Uh, So a follow up. I think it was last week uh, we were talking about uh, Walmart did a stock split. So does the company decide when that happens or is is there a threshold? Okay, because absolutely. Back in the day, there was a board game that our family liked to play called Stocks and Bonds. And so it was was teaching. Why did nobody tell me about this game? (laughs) It was fun. But it was what the stock split. It would it it automatically occurred when the stock reached a certain level. But in Mm. reality, it's whenever the company decides the time is right to do so. Yes, absolutely. So I always kind of it's kind of fun to pull up whenever someone says, oh, that's an expensive stock. Well, what is expensive? Because Berkshire Hathaway, their class A shares, uh, classically, uh, Warren Buffett never went to split his shares they have since they do have a cheaper version but the class a shares are six hundred and eleven thousand dollars <laughs> so awesome. not something that your your eyes gonna stick in our roth ira uh this afternoon in the in a, in a trade but even it, it, it that's that's very unusually high. The next most expensive stock is one called uh, NVR. It's $7,600. They do residential construction. There's Booking Holdings where you might go um, – I believe they own like Expedia or something similar. You, you might go book a trip or a restaurant or something. There's a couple of other things. AutoZone trades for almost $3,000. Wow. But that doesn't mean it's an expensive stock because for that stock, I'm not looking at what their earnings are right now. Let's see. Um, for for every twenty dollars, you're buying a dollar of earnings. It's priced very much in line with the rest of the market. It's just got a lot of dollars that you have to pay, and that's just because they've de- they have not decided to divide up those shares anymore. So. So uh, as we were chatting before the show came on, I mentioned that I had ordered a Stanley Cup today. I found Congratulations. One. <laughs> You've joined, joined the trend. Well, I did find one that wasn't too expensive. It's a nice bright color. You know how I like that. And nice. uh, I think it'll work. And the reason I did that was the so – because I was also in this one. The Yeti cooler that I have is kind of wearing out the seal. The O-ring is wearing out. So I'm afraid it might start leaking. Anyway. And as discussed, you don't want an <laughs> O-ring right. failure. So my, my sort of my question is, how do these things happen? Is this good marketing by the company? Did they get lucky because the, the right people started buying them and then all of a sudden it's the craze? I mean, just your thoughts on how these sorts of marketing things kind of take over? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think everybody who studies marketing would love to know the answer. So uh, so pay attention and I'm going to reveal the answer. Uh, <laughs> luck and hard work, both of those. I think it's, it is very interesting to study things that go viral. Uh, it happens a lot in, say, the uh, the, the art world. How, do, how does a, a song, how do you get a breakout number one hit? And in a lot of cases, for a lot of viral things, it is a lot of hard work. Uh, I just remember the story of, uh, and I forget the name, I forget the song, but uh, an artist did not have any songs before that he was recording, essentially just on his own. And he 
just for months and months and months was reaching out to people on various social media platforms say hey uh, I love I love the work that you're doing I love what you're producing do you could you make a video that uses my song as the background music and he just did that enough and enough and enough and built those relationships and built those relationships and built that momentum that one day all of the sudden it became a breakout hit but it was because of all that work he put in. I think marketing is very hard. And I mean, for instance, you know, we're talking about the Stanley Cup or the Yeti Cup or things like that. It has to be a quality product. I mean, there's some limitation. You couldn't just sell a, you know, a paper cup and be like, this is the best paper cup ever. You're going to love your commute hanging on to this paper cup while you're switching lanes. Um but it also takes a, a lot of groundwork. And there's just so many different ways people run marketing campaigns, you know, and that's, you know, kind of generating that, that, um, oh, what, that grassroots sort of support is, is very difficult. Well, I would agree. And, and I, you know, I was very reluctant to get a, a Yeti cooler. And so I got, again, one that I thought was somewhat affordable. And, but I was sold on it because it really, to me, it really does keep water cold. I don't, I don't use it anything farther than water, but it keeps my water cold throughout the day. The other interesting thing about this to me, too, is Stanley is not a new company as far as I know, and they're kind of bebopping along being a company, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, wow, they they become the, the thing of the day. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's fascinating. You know, did, did they put a lot of work into the marketing? Did somebody just happen to pick it up as an interesting thing and, and make a really profoundly influential post about it? Uh, marketing, it, it's, it's very it's very interesting, and I know everyone, everyone wants to know the secrets. And sorry, no, I don't have the secrets. Darn it. I just we, like we the waiting. I just like the interesting case studies. That's all. Well, it's uh, supposed to arrive next week, so I will I will uh, be on the air in a couple weeks giving giving my review. You know it's good if Kevin is on air talking about it and he's he's not even going to get it for another week. Like that's that's good marketing right there. <laughs> that's like this is a show about your personal finances and we're talking about drinking water, which is important. I would ask everybody to make sure you stay hydrated today. That's right. It is very warm out there. And that's why I have one. It's uh, the more water you drink, the better. You're listening to Money Talks, and our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the local MPB Think Radio programs. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're ready to answer your personal finance questions between phone calls today. We're going to be talking about credit scores and credit reports. In light of a recent study that found that for one in four consumers, a low credit score is not entirely their fault, but due to some inaccurate information on that report. So we're going to uh, touch on that in just a minute. But first, Ryder, let's kind of start out with the basics. What is a credit report? So a credit report is just kind of a compilation, a dispassionate list of all of the things that have happened in your credit life. Typically, it's for the past seven years, uh, although older things, especially particularly bad things that you haven't resolved can stay on there. Um, And it's very important when you're trying to borrow money Um, and kind of – preparing for this and Kevin you know from our emails I've been preparing for this for like six months so people should be prepared to listen to me just talk on and on like they normally do but lending borrowing money that's pulling money forward in time so it's existed for millennia think 4,000 years ago in Mesopotamia a farmer knew he was going to plant 
some seeds, grow a crop, and harvest it months later. But he didn't have the money. But he knew he was going to have a crop to harvest. He had to borrow money for the seeds. So he brought that money from the harvest forward in time, and that allowed him to plant the harvest. You know, lending is a tool. We always talk about it as a tool. Um, and and so, obviously, fast forward to today, or to say, you know, more recent history, to borrow, you had to have a relationship with a bank. You had to know somebody who was willing to trust you with this. And so the credit score is just kind of a formulaic way of saying how how much should we trust this person with money. And it's a way to kind of remove the, oh, you have to have an existing relationship. This guy has to go to the same country club as you before you're going to lend to him. No, it, it gives you it gives you a, a little more clear way. There's a lot of problems with it. And we can discuss and we can discuss how how they came to be and what changes have been made more recently. But it gives you a way of, of assessing, uh, gives a lender a way of assessing if they should or should not loan to somebody. And that's just the general idea with the credit score. And it summarizes it in a simple number. So the relationship between credit reports and credit scores is the 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 credit report generates the credit score kind of yes yes and and there's you know there's no one credit score uh there's just a, a multitude of factors that can impact that there's just different calculations some people want to emphasize you know one thing over another so they might just do their calculation different but the credit report is all of the events that happened and the credit score is what they generate off of that information so um i guess there are are there only three or three main credit reporting bureaus? Three main credit reporting bureaus, yes. And so um, um, they might have a different score. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. The credit report is not – Your credit report is not exactly the same. So the three main credit reporting credit reporting bureaus, let's say that right every time, uh, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, your credit report is not even the same at those. Now, it should generally have all the same thing. If you have you know, two credit cards and a mortgage and a student loan, they should all show that you have two credit cards, a mortgage, and a student loan. How they might, one easy way they might differ is Say Experian checks your balances on the first of the month, TransUnion checks it on the 15th. Well, say the 14th is when you actually pay your credit card bill. So on the 15th, your credit card balance is the lowest it is. Whereas on the first of the month, it's going to be a lot higher. So they may have different numbers for how much you owe. Um, one of them may just report something faster. One, they may have different ways of dealing with disputes. Uh, they may have different ways of dealing with how uh, things show on the report when they're paid off. Um, so th- th- there'll, there'll be some differences. And so that's why your credit uh, score can also appear different. It can appear different throughout the month from a single provider. It can um, it can it can just appear differently when you check it, who's generating it for you, etc. But it's all basically the same information. 
So the credit uh, bureaus then work with, say, Visa, MasterCard, other loan-giving uh, entities to, to get this information. Yes. So it's kind of a symbiotic relationship there. Um, the issuing – say a bank wants to make a loan. Well, they want a reliable way of determining if someone is creditworthy. So they will ask the credit reporting agency, say, hey, you know, can you give us a number that tells us if this person is reliable credit reporting again symbiotic relationship goes both ways um actually there's a specific one is it commensalist or there's uh, got to remember your middle school uh, biology folks this is why it's important stay in school um the credit reporting agency says yes i can give you that number but in exchange could you give me information about them so when they make a payment the bank says hey you know, Kevin made his payment on time. This was on his loan for shoes, etc. Uh, it's either shoe loan or, or it's, a, or, or it's the, the basement loan or the Stanley Cup loan. Um, again, not the Stanley, not the hockey Stanley no, Cup. That, that would, would be a bigger loan. Uh, <laughs> be a much bigger loan. A different, different type of loan. So yeah, they report back and forth to each other. So uh, the way the credit report would affect an individual's, an individual's ability to get a credit or a loan is, again, it's sort of the source material for credit scores, which are used to de- help determine whether you get a loan or not. Yes, that's correct. All right. Um, so w- what I, uh, we said uh, a little bit before that uh, a lot of times bad credit scores result from information that is inaccurate. So first of all, Remind us of how you get to see your credit reports and then what you should do uh, when you get one, a copy in your hot little hands. And you <laughs> a hot copy in your cold hands, hot copy in here. I don't know. Um, so we're, and we're big fans of, uh, of, of you, you got to be informed about your financial situation before you can do anything to change it. So you can go to annualcreditreport.com and you can request a copy of your credit report once a year from each of the reporting bureaus. Now, and I, I have not looked recently to see if any of them offer anything else because This is valuable information. Lenders pay for this. And really annoyingly, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion will also charge you for this information. But you are legally entitled to one copy from each every year. Again, they all offer their own programs where they might monitor or provide you with other reports on a different basis. But annualcreditreport.com will uh, allow you to get a copy. And if you want to check it more frequently, you can get one of those every four months and you just keep it rolling like that. Um, so that will, that'll be how you get the information and it'll just, it might just generate a list. Maybe it's a PDF report of just, again, an exhaustive list of all of the events of your credit life. Uh, I've even seen where they'll have not just, okay, you know, Kevin has a uh, American express. Kevin has a, uh, outstanding loan to the shoe store, but it will say, and here are the 10 on time payments that he's made. Here's a list of every date he made the payment and, and things like that. They can be very detailed. Are you aware of what would be some maybe inaccuracies, common mistakes that might show up on someone's credit report? Uh, yes. Very frequently what you hear is that it is a bad mark that was corrected. So that could be a, a loan that went into default, but then you paid it off later. And uh, that that's that's one big issue or maybe a 
a payment that was recorded as a missed payment or a late payment, but it actually was not. It got resolved or it got forgiven by, if, say, your credit card company. They just, they just didn't receive the check in time. They marked it as a late payment because some credit card companies are going to be more aggressive about reporting this stuff than others. Um, some might just wait, uh, might give you a bigger grace period. Some might report it the next day. And you just... I don't really know how, you know, how they decide those things, but that may happen. Uh, Another big one is medical debt. And this is a particularly large issue because for, for several reasons. And what I always say is, look, doctors and hospitals, they are good at providing medical care. That's what they do. They're not built out as finance entities. But in a huge part of our economy, that's what we're asking them to do. So when they send and and also there is another party involved in paying your doctor or hospital bill, and that's your insurer. And so a delay in your insurance company getting back to the hospital about something means a delay in you getting a payment in means a delay in this, that, and the other. And that can all just push things a long time. I mean, who among us has not gotten a bill from a doctor or a hospital for something that happened six months ago? And maybe they're saying, oh, this bill was due three months ago. And you never saw that bill. It, they, they're getting better about simply not reporting those things, but they're also, they have uh, changed a lot of the rules, um, the credit uh, bureaus and, of course, uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has changed a lot of the rules around how some of these things are reported, how they can be considered, just essentially giving folks more grace on medical debt. Just because, it, it again, it can appear that you're behind on your medical bills when you maybe haven't even received the bill yet. And so just trying to take that into account and make that a little more fair. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. So we're looking for personal finance questions, also talking about credit scores and credit reports this morning. We've got a caller on the line. So we say good morning to Daryl in Memphis. Daryl, you're on with the air with us, so go ahead, please. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. morning. Um, I've... I recall uh, relatively recently the Congress enacted legislation or either put or either put forth legislation that would not uh, adversely affect the score, the credit score of consumers. Um, can you elaborate on that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so. And and again, I'm not sure if it was a law, you know, and a, a little act of Congress, or if it was a rule change with the Consumer uh, Financial Protection Bureau, or just the the credit bureaus kind of got together and did this. A lot of that stuff is kind of nebulous uh, and, and collaborative there, but. Yes, the medical uh, billing that I was referencing earlier, that was a fairly recent change. I do remember from the past mm, six months to a year, uh, that was a fairly recent and fairly big change as well, just that, that they were going to start treating that a little more leniently. Again, like I said, treating that with a little bit more grace. Another thing that I've seen come up with is not a congressional thing, but just a competing 
style of credit report uh, or a competing style of credit scoring. So for years and years and years, we've referenced the FICO score, the Fair Isaac Corporation score, which I believe was two folks named Fair and Isaac. Um, Mr. Fair and Mr. Isaac. But uh, a new one that I've even see advertised on TV is the Vantage score. Uh, I see that advertised on TV because I guess the companies who kind of put it together want you to sign up to their their. They want to sign up to their service that lets you monitor it. Um, it is not the same calculation. And one thing, and I'm not sure if it's the Vantage score or even another one, one thing, it allows you to add things to your credit report. It'll, it considers more things. For instance, your on-time utility payments, on-time rent payments, those are all examples of you being reliable with payments. Those are all examples of you being a good credit, but those are not things that are traditionally reported on a credit score. So there have been a lot of changes, and the bulk of the changes, one, they've all kind of made sense, and they've all been striving to add more information that could help somebody out uh, in obtaining credit. Because obtaining credit, like the example of a farmer who needs to borrow money to buy the seed to get the harvest, that's an important tool. Uh, the ability to borrow money is an important tool tool for people. It allows people to live in houses. It allows people to get cars that get them to work, that allow them to be productive members of society. It allows people to buy their groceries without having to worry about every single dollar and penny they have today. They can buy groceries on Thursday knowing they're getting paid on Friday and won't have to pay the credit card bill till Saturday. Actually, that's a weekend. They wouldn't have to pay until Monday. Isn't that great? So, um, yeah, it's important. And yes, you're absolutely right, Daryl. There have been changes recently, both kind of legal or rule changes, uh, but also just kind of marketplace changes that have made those reports hopefully a little bit more inclusive. Long way to go for a lot of things, but a little bit more inclusive and a little bit more fair. Thank you all. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check that Vantage score too. Thank you all so much. All right, Daryl, thanks for the call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. So uh, we've said that reviewing the credit report is good because uh, you, you can uh, correct any information that might be inaccurate. Want to follow up on that a little bit more in a minute. But also, in this day and age of people trying to steal your identity, it's important to look at your credit report because that could possibly be a clue that someone has stolen your identity if you see a lot of, well, I never opened that account. I never had a credit card Mm -hmm. with that, that sort of thing. So it's helpful in that regard as well, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Uh, That is another great reason for monitoring your credit because a lot of identity theft centers on somebody trying to obtain credit, somebody trying to obtain money uh, just on on your your file so that they won't be pursued uh, when they don't pay that loan back. So, yes, watching out for fraud is an important aspect of checking your credit report. And you don't. You, you, there are services that monitor your credit report, uh, and they will say, "Oh, hey, a new account has been opened. You know, double check that that's you." Uh, some of them, there are services. Each cr- 
With each bureau, you can lock or freeze your credit. We've talked about that a lot before. That's a that's another tool for managing your credit and protecting your identity. And that would say when someone is trying to open an account, and that extends not just to credit accounts. I mean, this could extend to bank accounts, brokerage accounts, um, utility accounts, because again, someone may be just using your identity because they don't have enough credit to avoid the deposit when they're opening up utilities, or they could have mistakenly keyed in the wrong social security number. Who knows? Um, but you have to, they'll monitor that you can lock or freeze, which will prevent somebody from, uh, accessing credit or opening these accounts without you having first gone to the bureaus and unfrozen your credit. So in that case, if someone tried to do that and you had frozen it, they would get maybe a message that says, hey, this is frozen. You need to give us this information in order for this uh, query to go through. Essentially, yes. In in the ways we've encountered it, uh, for instance, opening up an account for somebody who had frozen their credit. What it looks like is you know, we will submit the application to whoever we're opening up the account for. The, the They'll come back to us and they'll say, hey, there is – they won't necessarily say that it's it's a, a credit freeze, but they'll say there's some sort of lock or block on the credit uh, report. They may say, oh, it's specifically we check with TransUnion. It is with TransUnion. If you could address that with TransUnion, you, we can then go. Uh, if somebody has frozen their credit, I would super duper hope that they remember that they've done that. And of course, the process for freezing and unfreezing your credit, it's going to be kind of unique, not super unique, but kind of unique to the Credit Reporting Bureau. Generally speaking, you're going to have an online account or you're going to have to call them, unfreeze it temporarily. You'll probably have some very secure passwords and questions to answer about that. Um, And they'll unfreeze it. You'll say, hey, proceed with the application. Application goes through and and they'll, they'll freeze it back for you once you're done. So when we talk about trying to get inaccurate information corrected, I know in in past broadcasts we've talked about how important it is to not just call on the phone but to really establish some sort of paper trail. So the best way would possibly be to send a letter saying – and I guess you'd say – well, in this case – so let's follow up this. I see something where, okay, company X is saying I haven't paid in two months. Well, I've I've paid two months. And so I would write a letter saying, hey – I'm disputing what Company X had said, but also I guess you need to have some sort of proof to go along with what you're saying. Yes. So, uh, and, and and remember, you have two places you can address that with. So, again, MasterCard says uh, he hasn't paid his, his credit card bill in two months. Well, first, go to MasterCard and say, uh, excuse me, sir, you've reported this information incorrectly. They may be able to correct it on their own. Um, two, then, yes, you can write a letter. To the credit reporting agency, we talked about that paper trail. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, they have great resources on this, on how to dispute things on your credit report. And it, the, they even have sample letters and form letters you can just kind of fill out with your information. But the, yes, they absolutely advise that you produce some backup information. Maybe that's a statement because, of course, if they're saying, uh, hey, you didn't make a payment in June and you have the July statement, which shows your June payment on there. Well, buddy, there it is. So uh, or maybe they say this payment was simply didn't meet the minimum. Well, you have some record on your statement where they say what that minimum payment was. And you say, well, I did meet that minimum. So, again, yes, having supporting evidence is great. Uh, Essentially, you can dispute it with a credit agency. 
agency. And what most often happens is that the company just declines to, you know, take that up. Right. And so that's how they that's how that ends up getting removed. Yeah, I guess it depends on the size of the mistake. But you're right. It seems like if it's a small thing, the company says it's, it's too busy to bother with. Let's yeah. just let it go. Or just the fact that, <clears throat> you know, for instance, if you actually did pay your bill, like, of course, they're not going to dispute that. They're going to be like, well, whoopsie. And they'll they'll wipe that off after a few months if we just don't say anything about it. And um all three – the information that all three bureaus get is not exactly the same but pretty much the same. Right. Like we said earlier, you would expect all the similar information to be there. They may have just depending on what time of the month they look and they do the report. Maybe they'll have different balances. Maybe they'll have different uh, credit utilization ratios. Maybe you get a new credit card and they just report to one lender first. Um, maybe maybe it takes some months. You know, you have to have some payments going on before they're like, oh, yeah, we got to report to Equifax and TransUnion, too. Uh, so, yes, that generally speaking, the information is going to be the same. All right. Is it an urban myth that negative items roll off your credit report in seven years? Or is that partially true? I mean, it's partially true. Um, <laughs> negative items that have been resolved roll off in seven years. I do recall, I think about this not infrequently. We had a caller once who they were talking about a, a car loan payment that defaulted. And they were like, it was six and a half years ago. It was six years and 11 months. And we were just like, that's great. Wait a month. It's going to roll off. No problem. These things that they fade away because, again, your most recent behavior, again, thinking from the perspective of a lender, your most recent behavior matters more than your behavior seven years ago. If I see someone who, yeah, they missed a couple of payments seven years ago, but boy, they've been on top of their payments over the last year or two, I'm going to say that's pretty good rather than someone who's really on top of it seven years ago and not on top of it today. Um, but then this caller, they revealed that they had never resolved that so they still owed the money they were still disputing I, I, I don't remember the details at this point but it was not resolved I don't know that it would necessarily roll off um, but yes things and, and and good things roll off too right if you opened a credit card 30 years ago then your first few payments, those are no longer on your credit score. You can't, you can't say, hey, man, I borrowed some money from a friend in 1975. And they're just like, great. What have you done for me recently? So, yes, things do roll off uh, once they're kind of done with. So one way then possibly to negate the impact of negative stuff is to get a lot of good stuff on there. And as you said, if, if yeah. the, the negative behaviors in the past, if you show recently that you've gotten better, that's more important. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, the, the passage of time can help, you know, wear down the effects of the bad thing as long as you're maintaining good things. Again, if if the only thing on your credit report is a default, it it's not really going to matter if it's a default two days ago or a default three years ago like you just don't you have no evidence that you've gotten any better so yes continuing to improve and continuing to make good credit decisions matters 
We're going to take a break here in just a minute. <clears throat> but, you know, one of the things about growing older I've found is that time sometimes seems distorted. In other words, I'll be thinking, oh, that was a couple of years ago. And someone will say to me, what are you talking about? That was 15 years ago. And I had something like that. I don't remember why. I think I have credit karma and they sometimes give you information about your credit cards. But it was like the, the one I did know I, I opened when I was – just out of college. So that's from the, like the late seventies, but the other ones have, have been like 20 years. And I thought, Oh gosh, I, I, I didn't realize <laughs> I've had that that long. So anyway, <clears throat> it's always a reminder that, uh, yeah, that the things are, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's just growing old. So that's, that's my story there and I'm sticking to it. We're glad you found our show money talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at new perspectives. So let's, uh, transition our discussion in this final part of the show to the credit score. So I guess you could say a credit score is a numerical method of expressing your credit worthiness. Yeah, that's a lovely way of putting it, Kevin. <laughs> I thought of that when we were you on have, the break. You have a job in marketing at Equifax ahead of you. <laughs> Speaking of marketing, and how do we make the credit score go viral? So, and again, we talked about the information on the credit report is sort of the 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 uh, the fuel for what becomes your credit score. So. Um, What factors affect your credit score and can you improve those? Oh, so the main factors are, one, do you have access to credit? So do you have outstanding loans that you're working on? Do you have credit cards that you that you use and you pay on? So just the access to credit, um, how – your on-time record, that's your biggest part of it. And I don't actually have the chart in front of me, but your on-time record is your biggest part of it. I want to say it's like 30 35%. Um, the, your credit mix, so is it? do you just have a mortgage or do you have a mortgage and you have a shorter-term loan and you also have credit cards? Because your, your ability to manage different types of credit is also something that makes you kind of more credit-worthy, right? Making a single monthly payment is one thing, but making a variable payment from time to time, that's a different thing. Um, oh gosh, uh, length of credit is one of them. Uh, so if you have had a credit card, I think you mentioned for 20 years, that's a lot more impressive than having had one for three months. Uh, and especially again, but what really matters off of that is, do you have a 20 year on time record or, well, it's going to be a seven year on time payment record versus just a couple of month payment record. And uh, then, you know, recent inquiries. So and this is this is kind of a weird one in that they say, OK, well, if you've made a lot of inquiries into credit, if you've if you try to take out a bunch of loans or try to get a bunch of credit cards all at once, then that's less credit worthy. It indicates maybe you're facing some financial stress if all of a sudden you're trying to find a loan. But of course, they have years ago, this is one of those changes they make uh, that improves the credit scores. They realize, well, people getting like a mortgage, they might go to three banks at once. We shouldn't count that as three inquiries. And so I believe they have basically like a two week period or so, or just a certain amount of time. If you're applying for the same sort of credit in a short amount of time, they just, they kind of count that as one. Of course, the formula that they use to calculate these things, the specific numbers that they're plugging into their Excel spreadsheet, because we all know that's where they're doing the calculations. (laughs) Um, Those, they're not doing them on an abacus anymore. Uh, those uh, 
yeah, so the the, the secret calculation, yeah, you know, we we don't really know those details, but we have a pretty good idea of 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 what matters and how much it matters. And then um, we've had this uh, where someone calls up and says, my credit score has gone down X. So the credit score is a very fluid um, figure. And in my case, I have good credit. But recently, my credit score took a ding because I recently um, uh, financed some work that was done on my house. And so it was, you know, a a big, large uh, expenditure. Uh, But if I keep up the good stuff that I did to build up my credit score in the first place, in addition, eventually that ding will become undinged. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and so there's a number, there's a couple of ways that could have impacted. One, a new line of credit. Say you'd had a credit, credit card for 10 years. Your average length of credit is 10 years. Then you get a new credit card. It's zero years old. Your average length of credit dropped down to five years. Now, that's that's not a, a huge impact on your score because that is 15% of your length of credit history is 15% of your score, but that's how that impacts it. Not only that is when you got a loan to pay for something on your house, that was probably a loan where they said, okay, this is a $10,000 loan and you owe $10,000. So you it looked like you were utilizing all of that loan. And, and you were. When you take out a mortgage, you owe the whole thing. Over time, then it's a it's still a ten thousand dollar loan, but oh no, now you only owe nine thousand dollars. Now you you only owe six thousand dollars. So it makes it it kind of looks like you have a better, you know, again, you're not using up all of the credit. You're not using up all of the goodwill that the bank is is extending to you. Um so if someone has a poor credit score, um they need to be patient. This is not something that if they change their their behaviors is going to jump up 20 points tomorrow. This is something – I mean if you're going to work on this, it's got to be sort of consistent because, again, we've talked about they want to see that you are a reliable person when it comes to your money. Generally speaking, yes. I always do like to point out the one thing if you have credit cards that you can do to – practically instantly increase your credit score is uh, if you've had a credit card for a little while, you can call your credit card company and say, hey, I have a credit card. It's got a thousand dollar credit limit. Could I have more credit? Now, there's a trick to this because you want to appear like you don't need that more credit, but that you can handle and might use that credit. You want to appear to them that you're a good customer and you can handle it. And, you know, good thing is, oh, you know, hey, I've had this credit card for a while. I've been putting $500 on it. You know, my budget, my, my spending is increasing. Maybe my income is increasing. So I'm a good customer. I just want to have the flexibility that your magnificent company can offer me. And um, a lot of times credit card companies will publish on their website a little bit of information about how to go about asking that they may say hey we will offer you an increase in your credit limit every two years or we will offer it when your income increases and we want to see say a copy of your tax return if if you say your income has increased something like that getting an increase in your credit score because that means say you had 
you owed $500 on a credit card, which had a $1,000 limit. You're using 50% of your credit. If you use $600, you're using 60%. If you were using $100, you're using 10%. Uh, they like to see that number lower, the better. Once it gets below 10%, that's, that's it. That's fantastic. You People are willing to lend you a lot of money, but you don't spend too much. Um, above 50% is look, that looks rough. All right, uh, as we leave the show today, <clears throat> annualcreditreport.com is where you go to get those free. And again, you can get one from each of the credit reporting bureaus. So get one every quarter and you can keep track of your credit uh, throughout the entire year. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can find it at moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. So for Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.